All right. Hello, friends. This episode is sponsored by Dante Zompetti, loan officer with Movement Mortgage, specializing in helping veterans use the benefits they have earned. Know a veteran who has questions on the VA home loan benefits, Dante can help. Call him at 937-522-5419 to learn more. Dante Zompetti, NMLS number 1452256, Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID 39179, Mr. Benjamin, episode 16. Trenton. We're going random on this one. We are. Random topic, topics, funny stories. Spitballing. Spitballing. Um, let's get to it. This might be a little bit of a shorter one, 45 minutes, I think. But you're we'll you're the one with the meeting. You're we're the busy one. man. We're busy. I, I'm, I'm just here. You are just here. I just, I can't get comfortable over here. Can you not hear <laughs> me when I'm talking to you outside of the microphone? No. I zone you out. I'm very focused. Because I was asking you, I asked you the same question twice what? while that intro. I mean, it doesn't matter now. It has nothing to do with the pod. It doesn't matter. Just but you it. just, what time do you have to leave? I got a buyer's appointment at noon. So okay, where at? Mike's here in the office. Oh, it's here in the office. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, okay. So That's why I was like, hey, we can, we can get this in. No, you're gonna so you're gonna skip the Facebook leads class that we have. At yeah, I forgot about it. No, it'll be a short appointment. I'll be like, oh, okay, yep, here we are. It's just a general conversation. I'm selling their house. They're getting a divorce. That's fun. They both went out really bad. It's kind of awkward. Got a divorce right now that we're meeting at three. Both parties. Both parties. Are they cooperative? Uh, I'm assuming they are. If you meet both of them, I'm not meeting both of them. We oh, have okay. both of them. So we'll see. I mean, it's always. It's How a, sad is it that we're in a bit? It's pretty cyclical that we are in a business where it's like, oh, I don't hate divorces. <laughs> but if I got two buyers, I got two buyers and a seller. It turns a uh, two transaction deal can turn into three. Yep. Two buyers, one seller. And you probably sold their house and bought their house last time. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been in that long. <laughs> yeah. Every time someone gets married, they buy a house. I'll give them a call in five to seven years, see how things are going. Yeah. A seven year itch. We had a. We sold, did I tell you about our contractor asking a past client? Okay, so here, I have it. Oh, no. We sold a house, and I'm going to leave all names out. Yes, please um, do. Back in April. Yeah. No, May. I sold the house in May. Okay. Um, they sold a house. They bought a house through me. And um, a contractor that we use for pretty much everything was... uh was the contractor on a couple little projects that they needed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Mr. We'll just call him Mr. Buyer because he bought the house, um, yeah. had wanted to finish off part of the basement. And he had told our contractor, um, yeah, I might need your help here and there. Uh, you know, my wife is on me to get this thing done. Well, I get a call from our contractor and said, you're not going to believe what just happened. I said, Okay. He said, I called Mr. Buyer about, well, Mr. Buyer called me and I answered the phone and I said, hey, you still married? And he said, I am not. No way. Yeah. And he was just asking because, you know, the the wife wanted the stuff done in the basement. So they just As bought a joke. That. And right. they just bought that house in April, in May. 
in this. They conversation. bought it in May and they're divorcing already. Yeah, is that the people you're meeting? No, this oh. is, these are different. Wow, I know. I felt so bad. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, but that's. Well, I think what happens is when nobody you, predicts a divorce, right? They bought a house. Nobody, they didn't predict in two months they were going to get divorced. There's always more to it. True. I think it just, it's like an accelerant because it can be stressful. Get this done. This needs to get done. Yeah. I hope I don't, I hope I didn't put them so in such a stressful situation that they got divorced. They make their own choices. They're grownups. Vote, drink, get married. It's all on you at that point. That's the problem. No one takes ownership for that stuff and they want to blame everyone else for all the screw ups. Hence where we're at right now in society and life. Get, get, get deep on them. Get philosophical on them. Yeah, man. Just own it. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, okay, I'm a white guy that grew up in middle class. I could say that all day and people would like ridicule me. Yeah. Given the current circumstance, but um extreme ownership. we talked about it before. We're not even extreme. I almost think middle class mentality is one of the worst because you're just yes. complacent and okay. And we've yes. talked about that a hundred times. It's uh-huh. like I could stay in my hometown, work for the same company for forty years, which you're always told to do that, never move, and they'll take care of you, which not the case at all and then made 40 50 thousand like everyone else or something like that and because you, okay which is nothing wrong with the that middle cla- just, yeah the middle class have a great life i mean they do well but by, by a lot of their habits they spend too much money it's like it's it's weird they're they're in that middle way. it's yeah. almost like you're almost like an athlete you're not great you're not bad you're just okay so it's like where are you do you save money not spend as much or do you try and play the joneses game but you're not quite there yeah you're in that weird area where you think you're okay and you're probably not and you need to push yourself but you're one big disaster right. away from something bad being tough yeah and i and i always thought that i'm like so middle class is really i think a bad i think it comes from like the 50s and 60s like you got the job the wife's still staying at home but middle class was great because you're in the suburbs that's when suburbs started blowing up but I always see like, you know, if you're in a harder environment, like urban environment, that's not that great. It's like defined. You got two. You're either going to go down a really bad path or you're like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm getting out of it. Yeah. And then I think if you come from a really like rich family, I mean, there's rich families who have horrible family dynamics and you could be like, I don't want to be like my dad and work a hundred hours a week just to make money. Or you can be like, I want to be just as good and stand on my own and not just you know, I mean, there's different, there's always yeah. a yin and yang to each area you grow up in. No one's perfect. A lot of people love, like a, a lot of people are happy there, right? So yeah. I saw the, that's okay. I saw this, me. I saw this picture where it was like, uh, it, it probably went viral. I, I just saw it. It said, um, being poor is hard. Being rich is hard. Choose your heart. Right. And I was like, okay, well, what's the easy? It's like, well, being yeah. average is pretty easy. Dude. I heard a quote where it was like kind of falls in line with this. They said real estate can be the easiest, lowest paying job or the hardest, highest paying job. Yes. You, so in real estate specific, you can make it whatever you want, but I think it's any sales. I mean, you can make it the easiest, lowest paying. Like you'd be like, Oh, I got a constant client who buys us subscribes or keeps buying the same stuff every year. I'm good. I'm making 40, 50, 60,000 a year. I'm not going to worry about finding more clients to buy whatever bake mark stuff or whatever supplies it might be. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's all about the mentality. I think certain people are like, well, I'm poor and they put it on people. I'm like, you're only poor. And I'm not saying now, let you're, me back no, up. You're, you're poor because of yourself. Yeah. At some point you have to take responsibility. I'm not saying like kids that grow up in shitty situations. It's not cool. Like yeah. I always look at Les Brown. He grew up in a really bad situation down in Florida. It was adopted like poor family. He was considered dumb, mentally retarded. 
at the time in school because that's the term they use and don't yeah. crucify me but um then he became this great speaker and he always says like hey it was on me to make it like you can't let other people and i think people have to learn that i think too many people just but sit on it and expect out of everyone else to make them better when, and it's not the way it works when you're but a, chi- yeah, I when you're a child though you're you're supposed to have somebody to push you and teach you right from wrong but when you're when you grow up in that environment it is a hundred percent on you yeah it's, it, but, but see, you, you need you need yeah. the environment of good parenting to to kind of teach you those yes. early life lessons and if you don't have those imagine but you can learn that there's, uh, it's imagine, so weird. I, uh, I hate I hate saying one thing because there's always I'm ima- pretty open with my thought. Like I'm open to other, yeah. And I understand if you're in a crappy environment, you have to work with what you got, and that's why a lot of people deal drugs because that's just what they're around. That's the way to get out or make money. Well, they 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 were never taught right from wrong. Imagine your parents potentially, met, yeah, or they got sucked in because you're just surrounded by. There's so if many things. If your yeah. parents are doing drugs, prostituting gang bang that's your normal life that's your normal life and nobody taught you right from wrong so it's like right. okay well my parents who i look up to that's what they do right so imagine being a six-year-old eight-year-old having to teach yourself right from wrong when the environment that you're in is all wrong right that's bad i mean you you can't i mean you're just used to it you're you're throwing that situation it's kind of like how do you how does it how does it how does if that's your life an 18 year old be like oh shit i need to get out of this you you kind of well more so now than ever. I mean, you got the internet, you know, you have opportunities to like figure out how I can, I'm not saying it's easy. I don't, you know, it's ugh. not easy. It's not easy. It's just, there are people who, who know like morally, like this isn't right. I mean, there's yeah. kids who do that. Like, that's not right. There's kids who have probably a better moral compass than me. Sometimes they're like, why well, that's not right. I'm like, what's this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just happens. I mean, the town I grew up in was, you know, all white Catholic school. And I went to right state. I was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, yeah. I was like, I ran into a whole different culture, like that I wasn't aware of, and that you just learned from. So, I think if you grow up in an either really rich house where you want to compete with your dad to be just as successful, I think it's a 50 50 split. I think yeah. if you grow up in a rough neighborhood, either 50 kids are going to do that or they're going to get out and be like, I'm never doing that. Yeah. It's just how the kid is and how but he, it makes his it easier brain if works. the parents are yeah. there. Well, when I was in school counseling, they said the number one factor of a kid succeeding was the family circumstance, like a mom, a dad, or whatever, two, two caretakers, not just a single mom working 80 hours a week and kids are home alone. It had nothing to do with the school rating. Two caretakers had, under one roof or two yeah. caretakers? Well, it was a general study back in the day, but it's pretty much saying a mom and dad at home that worked together. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That both worked, but you had both parents there. Yeah. Because you need the father and the mom there or whatever. Um, that was the biggest deciding factor. Kids was successful. It had nothing to do with the teachers. It was not the school system at all. It was the family nucleus, the nuclear family basically really? is what they call it, which is mom, dad, parents, siblings. Now, how many times have you seen a family that's like a TV perfect family, but there's that one kid yeah. who's just a fuck up or screw up. Yeah. There's, I, I firmly believe a little bit of nature and nurture, you know what I mean? The whole, yeah. I think you can raise your kid as good as you want, but there are some kids who are just going to be criminals. Yes. There's nothing you can do. There's other kids like you need to manipulate them and train them to do certain things. Obviously like get them away from like my parents got me away from some drug dealing kids. Yeah. And do uh, users back in like junior high and high school. Like I remember walking, I used to skateboard and stuff. They had a vert ramp in this barn. I walk in this back room. It's a completely glass table. I'm like, that's weird. What do you guys have that for? They're like, you don't know. I was like, Dude, I was super like How old innocent. were you? Oh, like junior high or something. They were kids doing coke in junior well, her, high. Older, older, uh, uh, older, okay. older friends were and they knew what it was because they were always there. Yeah. 
Um, and I was like, oh, I have no idea. I have no intention. I would have never done it. Yeah, but, but imagine. who knows what would have happened if my parents had pushed me away. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm just saying. Not all skateboarders yeah. are bad. I used to skate. <laughs> I skated for like one year. I had a dream last night I that did I one skateboarding. I told, I told Taylor, I said, don't be surprised if I come home with a skateboard today. Because <laughs> I am. I, I we, we were joking around. It was like, what's the one hobby you had as a kid that you wish you could pick back up? And a hundred percent for me is skateboarding. That is a, it's a fun. It's just a fun little cool thing to do outside. It's, a, it's fun to do inside. outside. And yeah. it's one of those things that like, I like to be able to see myself tangibly getting better. <laughs> so yeah. like you can you, you learn new tricks, better those tricks. You yeah. know, a quote that I heard from just a preview of the show cheer on Netflix that I love cheer cheer. It's about like a, I've never watched it, but I watched the preview and there was a quote that was so sick. Um, the coach, I guess she's like a ruthless coach. Oh, it's actually a cheerleading show. Yeah, it's a cheerleading show. Oh, okay. And her quote was, um, practice it. In, oh, uh, practice until you get it right. And then practice again until you can't get it wrong. Nice. I like that. And I was like, that's so cool. Keep practice till you get it right. And then keep going until you can't get it wrong. Well, it falls in line where people are like, you know, practice here. Here's, Here's where I go against that 10,000 hours. If anyone yeah. knows, like, you know, you do something for 10,000 hours, you'll become an expert. I don't buy that, by the way. Here, here's why I don't. I heard this quote. It made perfect sense at the time. I was like, you know, everyone says practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yes. You can do one thing for 10,000 hours, but if you're doing it wrong and not the best way, yeah. you're still going to not be perfect. Yep. So just find out and do it perfect. But circling back, it is, I think, determination and you have to want to do better. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people want things given to them. Yeah. In all forms. In every, oh, everybody. In every oh. form. So let's not get this bullshit. Me, oh, even you guys me. got everything. I would love, I would love leads not. to just come to my front door. I would love yeah. for my There's phone. days I don't want to make calls. Oh. I told my admin yesterday. I was like, well, I guess I got to make some. Eventually, I make some calls. And yeah. Damn, they four phone calls. There's four conversations that could potentially turn into four listings. I'm, I know my ratio. I'm pretty good. So it's like why don't I making these calls? Like we yeah. all have those days where we're just not motivated or we just don't do it. And you know what the most important day is when you have a bad day, they call it uh, the book finish by John Ackoff. I love this. Yeah. Um, it's called the day after perfect. The, the day after. Perfect. So don't sit on perfect to keep pushing it. Or so what? he talks about the biggest, the most important day in a goal, right? You start mm -hmm. a goal, new year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym, right? January 1st, you're there. January okay. 2nd, you're there. Third, fourth, right? And January 9th comes and life gets there and you don't make it to the gym. The most important day in a goal is January 10th to, to make sure in, you get back in the gym, get back on the horse. Basically. Understand that perfection is just not a realistic goal. Yeah. But as long as you, after the, the day after you miss perfect, okay make sure you're back in there. So like I had yesterday was a tough one for me, right? I didn't make any calls. We had a closing. Uh, <laughs> it was Taylor's birthday. So I was like, you know what? I can't really get too much in. So I, mm -hmm. I look back and I'm like, okay, well the most important day right now is today because yesterday was rough and I've got to get back on that get horse back, yeah. and make sure I keep grinding. Cause if I have two bad days, then you're downhill it, day three <laughs> is even harder to get back into, into yeah. track. And so it's it, the, the day after perfect is the most important day for any goal. Yeah, I love that book. I need, I need to steal that book. I told my wife because like I'll start stuff. And I don't. I'll finish it after a little while. I do little things here and there because I tell her like I'm just like a bull. I'm like a machine gun. I, I'm really good at big things. Yeah, but then when it gets down to nitty gritty stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, it's 
I, I like to see big and quick results. Yeah. He, and then when it gets the little stuff, I don't. I'm telling you, like that's one of my, that is probably the most impactful book on anything I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it's, um, I've read it, I've read it a number of times and I've got, it's got different like exercises in after everything. Mm-hmm. And I've literally just got like stacks of the sticky notes from like, this is the oh, first sweet. time I read it. This is the second time. This is third. Um, I might have to get that book then. You should. What's it called? John Ackoff Finish. Dude, I'm um in his uh his first book and it's the first chapter of Finish basically yeah. rips apart the book um his the first book he wrote. It was like That's awesome. First, yeah. The first book he wrote was like all about getting started. Okay. Right? And I forget yeah. what the title is and he goes, "Listen. After writing that book, I realized it wasn't about getting started for people. It was about finishing." That's the biggest issue people have. It's not to get started, right? Getting started is easy. It's about finishing it and going so through. So let, let's stop there real quick because um, I heard something interesting on a podcast where they talked about people were so married to their one idea yeah. that no matter what happens, they're stuck to that one idea and that one identity. So the fact that that guy could go back and be like, so I was probably wrong in that book. Yeah. And he circles back after, but at the time you probably was right, thought he was right, but then he comes back and understands like, oh, I missed something here. And this is why this book's better. But he found it because yes. people were saying like, okay, but this is like they read the book and like right. they did these exercises that he has on his online. He's like, yeah, but this is what I'm struggling with. And he's like, wait a second. The bigger issue isn't getting started because yeah. getting started is really easy. It is. Okay. Sure. I think, for I think some people. For some people, I think there's certain things like social media that, but again, so we'll talk about this in his book that right? We worry about the social media thing because we want it to be perfect. And he's like, who cares about perfect? Right. Just Just start it. But he, he is, I mean, a lot of other prominent people say just get started. Yeah. But like what you're saying, I think what he was getting to in the book, two points, there's one, he went back and realized, okay, that's not the main issue. And you wrote another book to, which is great because a lot of people just sit on that one book. You're like, no, this is the way to do. I mean, how many business books are there about all this crap? And they're like, no, this is the way it's done. I'm pretty open. I'm open it for all opinions and uh, yeah. routes to do it. But then like you said, he's like, okay, this is really, he found a different problem where, okay, you got started, which is actually a problem for people. Yep. Now this is how you keep doing it or finishing it. So I don't think he was wrong in that book. I think he just found, okay, there's one set of people who did this and other people were like, Hey, I got started, but now I can't finish it. Cause I don't yeah. think you can, I don't think people have problems. If you have a problem starting something and finishing it, then you just don't need to be doing it at all. Exactly. It's either one or the other. Like yeah. you can start. It's just like finishing all the little detail stuff. Yeah. I, uh, another thing he talks about is, um, when you're getting started, don't start doing something you hate. Right. So he talks about a lot of people will say, set these super unrealistic goals. Like I'm going right. to run a marathon and it's like, have you ever ran a mile? Like what if you start with a 5k? See, I, I would, you don't even have to finish a sentence. I would argue that a hundred percent. See, no, I'm so here's why. Um, you have a big goal, but I think where people screw up, they don't set the inter- okay. intermediate goal. He in talks there. about that. Okay. He talks about that. Like, okay, you, this is your big yeah. goal, but like maybe set like today I'm going to, today's goal is going to be a mile. And then my, my first check well, you, mark is going to be, oh, okay, I ran the 5k. And then the next one. have a plan or an action. To yes. Get there. It, yes. Set big goals. I love big goals. You have some type of moderate strategy to get there. It doesn't have to be so, perfect, but you have to set it and then, like, yes, you're not just going to be like, I'm going to run a marathon in three months. Yeah. And then just start off by like, go run. You could go run five miles that first day, but you're not going to run again for two weeks because you're so sore and hurt. Yeah. So he shares yeah. the story of people that don't set plans and then set over ambitious goals, right? So I could say, like me. 
It, well, <laughs> he, here's what he says. He says like he, has, uh, he had a really good friend who was a pretty in shape guy. He went to the gym every single day. Yeah. Every single day. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to transition and I'm going to start training for an Ironman. Okay. So he went to the gym the first day, went to the gym the second day, and then he never went back to the gym, not even to work out. So really? he ruined a habit that he already had because he set an unrealistic goal and never built a plan around it. Well, I think it's the goal. And then why? What's your motivation? Yeah. Not to Simon Sinek, why, but like, well, why do you want to do it? If you're trying to do an Ironman just to do one, you're probably not going to want to yeah. train for it because that's Iron a lot Man of swimming. Is- yeah. And a lot, I could do the biking and running. I it would not be fun. Yeah. I could do it in about 20 hours. <laughs> Just as part of the swimming scares me. I hate the ocean. Oh, I don't hate it. I'm scared of sharks. I don't like, I don't like, you know, not being able to see underneath me. Those, those mother efforts come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like you're watching on like that geo. And also there's the blue whale, which is like the largest animal out there appears out of nowhere, 20 feet from you. You're like, that scares the shit out of me. We're not supposed yeah. to be in the ocean. No, we're, we're not supposed not. to be flopping around out there. No we die but we're anyways almost, we're land creatures yes yes <laughs> sit in my chair but um i think it is like why do you want to run an iron man do yeah. you just want to do it or is it like to prove which is fine but it's like if you're just like oh i'm just going to do it yeah you will never do that because that's a lot of and then you just ruined a habit that you had and you'll hate it yeah and because you because you set this unattainable goal so i, I would i would okay. definitely read it pick it up and read it it's I will it's read a quick it. i mean it's because finishing is just the part. I don't do 150 sometimes. books. And I think he talks about even like, why do we have so many books on our shelves that like we started and never finished? Well, <laughs> I think that's a, I'll argue that because that's apparently yeah. what I like to do in my life. Be a devil's advocate according yeah. to my wife and Anna and everyone else. So I'm perfect. People are like, yeah, you got to finish these books. But I'm like, if you don't like the book, oh, it's not good. If the book sucks, then I'm just not, yeah, if get the, rid of if it. If the book sucks, I'm not yeah, going to finish but it. But if you don't ever finish any book, yeah, if then I, that's a problem. Yeah, if I open up a book and I'm halfway through and I'm like, okay, I've not gotten anywhere on this. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to read it. Typically, most of the books I read are like either recommended to me by people, so it's pretty rare that that happens. Right. Or uh, storybooks that, I mean, fictional so, books. I kind of, I want to talk about this last time. We never really got there. We talked a little bit about goals, but so when you say set a big goal, I'm all for big yeah, goals. I absolutely. Now, if you say you're going to go do 50 million in a year in real estate, and you haven't been in it for a year. That's completely. So unrealistic. here's what you, I want to say. So I'm going to argue. So here, I'll let you finish. So I'm sure you could find some way to get there. If you have unlimited resource, if you know, yes. if, if you spend, do the research and time to get into it, but most agents, don't do that. They're just like, I want to get a real estate license and just jump in. And they yeah. just, it's, so you can't do 50 million depending on the air in Ohio referencing Ohio, yeah. 50 million would be crazy. So here's my thing. Like, don't set it as like a one year say, cause everyone, what's the saying? Everyone can over, you, over, you, you overestimate what you can do in a year. year. And you underestimate what you can do in five. Perfect. So say you want to do 50 million, right? You should have the smaller goals, but there's a study done by neurologists like Andrew Baum or something. Okay. He's like, he talked about people who accomplish their goals. Like imagine all these people who accomplish goals, they get it and then they just fall apart, right? Because they hit their goal. Well, what happened there is they they did a study and found so far what they found is you get more of a dopamine rush on your way to your goal. You told me that, yeah. And then once you hit your goal, you get a rush, but it's not as good as the journey there. Yeah. So like imagine those people who spent all that time um, accomplishing to be valid Victorian high school, right? Yeah. Or doing something like that. Or we talked about being a number one agent, not just to be a number one agent. There has to be more to it because you can get that number one agent and you're you're ecstatic, happy as hell for 15 seconds. And guess yeah. what? That 16 second, 
you got to start all over. And what, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. Nobody cares that you were the number one agent five years ago. Nobody no one, gives a shit. No one cares. You're number one agent 15 seconds after they announce it. Yeah. You get, you get your applause, you get an award, you can brag some videos out to your clients, but guess what? Just like, and I hate to say it, like when people die, it's like, Hey, this is super sad for the day, but guess yeah. what? They have to go to work the next day. I got to move on. Dude, it, when my grandpa passed away, it amazed me how like my aunt and uncles were like, some of them were like, well, I might go to work. I'm like, he could go any minute. Yeah. It, it, it just blew, it blew my mind and made me thankful. Like, I'm glad I'm doing something that if I wanted to stop for an entire month because someone got cancer, yeah. I could do it. My business would suffer. I want to hit my goals. Don't care. Don't care. Family's I don't want to be that guy who is like, hey, my dad's on his deathbed. He could go any minute. He was there for like two days. And I'm worried about going to work. Yeah. I would rather just sit there and spend all the time there. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm definitely on the right path. You know what I mean? It's something <laughs> yeah. like I could take out, I could go up there for two days. The only thing I had to get my kid, you know, watch Luke and stuff while Amy's at work. But I was like, okay, I went back there and then I went back up the next day. Yeah. And I wasn't worried about if a client called, I'd get back to him. Or if someone needs to see a house that day and they're going to use someone, another agent, whatever, yeah. don't care. And if I'm a not client, if anyone. a client, has an issue with you at that point. Yeah. I don't want you as a client. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I understand the market. Here's another agent I can refer you to or something. Yeah. Whatever. But, um, he was saying like the journey to the goal, you get a bigger rush because it is fun. Like, Hey, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Yeah. And then you get to that goal. There's, there's nothing really, it doesn't love you back. It doesn't yeah. give you anything in return. It just, you get that little war, little recognition and it's gone out out of 15 seconds at 16 second. You're Trent Bargy again, trying to sell houses, slucking yeah. houses to try and get another million for the month in volume. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because once August 31st hits, if I close where I'm at right now, a little over a million, that's a great month. Biggest one for the year so far. Guess what? Or September, I mean. Yeah. In October. I'm worried about October right now. Yep. Like, shit, what do I got coming? The anxiety, the constant, like. That's the biggest. Ah. So yeah, it's, it's the like, journey. It's a journey. What they always say is like, enjoy the journey. Yeah. To get to your goal. Now they have scientific proof to, you know how every I get a bigger fashion high, statement is there. I get, a, I think I probably get a better high when I get an offer accepted than I do at the closing table. Mm -hmm. Closing table, it's like, all right, great. Like, let's move on. I don't get high when it gets accepted or anything. I, I like getting the listing. Yeah. That's where I get the bigger high. Like, all right, got this listing. Boom. Put in process because then we kind of know it's almost going to sell. Yeah. But you work your strategy and then like, in Man, this market, it's going to sell more than likely. But um, I like that more than even getting under contract because the hard part is getting a listing. Yeah. And the only other hard part is negotiating. It's fun. Like we talked about before, getting those hard deals negotiated and closing yeah. to close. I don't want them all that way because it's stressful, but it's I fun. I don't want the, I love, I love but again, man, it's, the easy ones. Once I heard the dopamine, it's so funny. Like all those old sayings you hear all have some scientific relevance to them or relationship. They just never found, they didn't have time. They didn't get the science at that time. Yeah. But like they always said, enjoy the journey. Yeah. It's not the, why it's is it not more the destination, fun? It's the journey. Yeah. Why is it more fun? The journey? Because you get a higher dopamine hit than yeah. you do when you actually get to your destination. Like when you're planning a vacation, like, man, it's going to be fun. You do all this and you get there. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. It's here. Like I want to go to Bora Bora or the Maldives so bad. Whoa. My wife does not want to fly that long. How far is that flight? <sighs> Last time I looked, it's like 30 some hours total. Holy like what you got to find here in California is for right then you get like overlay then you fly here and then you here so the longest ones would be from california over there but i told Whoa. her i was like i don't like to spend money on anything but i was like i'll drop the five grand for an all-inclusive to have one of those huts on the ocean you know 
Because it's like a goal. It's like, what's if you're going to do a vacation, let's go. Let's not go to Florida where we hear people on the news all the time with blown up meth heads and alligators. Let's let's go all the way to Maldives where you're staying on like a house out on like a ocean, and that's all you see. And you have your own little private swimming pool and stuff. I would. That's something. That's the experience, and that's like what I'd 100 pay for. But I, man, I, I am a pussy in an airplane. Yeah, you you take a lot of drugs when you fly. Yeah, so, not exciting drugs. Drugs no, that put you no, asleep. Yeah, Taylor has to. Drink, yeah, Taylor. You know how sometimes they come on and get like the wheelchair for like the handicap when like the plane lands and they're the first ones off. Ben and Taylor play a little. Uh, Play a little rule playing at nightclubs. Yeah. She's a roofier. Ben's, <laughs> Ben's the chick. They, I know it was a good flight when I have to be dragged off the plane. That's I, crazy. I, so Taylor, have, have I told you our honeymoon flight story? Yeah. Okay. Well, they, I don't know if I've told the listeners. So I hate flying. I don't know what, what it is. Like I, I am so fascinated with flight and airplanes and I could watch planes take off. There's nothing more relaxing to me. Really? Oh, I, I have an obsession with airplanes. Always have. Like when I was a kid, I my dad would always give me airplane books, and I, I had model airplanes. And um, like I said, that to me, watching planes take off and land is the most relaxing thing in the world. That's like the worst part of flying is oh, taking. That's most it, Well, it's also my it, uh, landing is my favorite part, but um, I I hate flying. I hate it so much. And I told Taylor, she's like, "That's so weird because like you love watch like planes." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." And so we had never flown together, and we finally flew together on the honeymoon and she like we get there and she's like i knew you were bad but like i didn't <laughs> know it was that bad i had a uh stewardess right Th- that's what they're called a flight attendant okay a flight attendant tell me at 26 years old as i'm getting off the plane that i earned my wings <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I i just i i don't know what it is i can't i can't stand flying so david Gawkins did that uh his speech on uh Joe Rogan, I listened to again, where it's yeah. like, like make yourself uncomfortable. He's like, if I saw snow outside, I was like, all right, guess we're going for a run. I'm like, Dude, I think I just yes. need to book like a flight every day for the next year. Travel around, just go to get, Boston, just, go yeah. to Miami, just fly like yeah. for an entire week of seven different cities. I just need to wake up yeah. every morning around 4 a.m., get to the airport, take a five o'clock somewhere, and then take that next flight back and just do that every day until I'm afraid. How fun of- would that be to get a trip, fly to like uh, Austin, get some barbecue, and fly home that day? Oh, why not? I mean, if you got bu- 200 bucks to go down there. Yeah. Dude, flights to Florida are like 50 bucks off Frontier. Well, you it, can fly to Florida, go get fresh seafood for dinner and fly home fly that night. Ba- fly back. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, because of the corona. children. Well, yeah, now you got kids. Now you got kids. Now Tra- things are trapped. Yeah. You're trapped for 18 years. <laughs> yeah. All I want to do is get out of Ohio right now and go to Florida. And it's just like, Logan can't. Dude, I told Amy, I was like, I need a vacation. Oh, I've never needed I've a vacation. Never, I never said that. I've gone like seven years without taking a vacation. My first vacation was the honeymoon. The yeah. one priest, that was a spring break back when I was like 20. Oh, I, I've never needed a vacation. Two. I've never needed a vacation more than I do then? right now. Yeah, I went almost six, seven years with no vacation. I didn't care, but now I'm like, I just want to turn my phone Well, now off. you're actually working. I want to run away. Yeah, I'm like. You don't consider deployment vacation? <laughs> I mean, I got some... Middle Eastern food and some great turkey food, but you took no. a flight. I did a very long flight. Yeah, and took a very long vacation. I need seven days. What's a week. your? You know, my vacations as kids were the worst vacations. As a kid, my parents, when we would go on vacation, they would always plan activities. And we didn't do that because my parents went the cheapest route possible. <laughs> with everything. So we went to Florida. 
Disney World. Awesome. We stayed like two hours away in the cheapest hotel that had those <laughs> vibrating beds. Oh, that's sick. And me and my brother were like, it was put a quarter in. That bed vibrated for almost three hours and when it stopped <laughs> we're trying quarter. to sleep for a quarter <laughs> like this old 1970s vibrating bed which is just weird if you that's think about weird, the concept that's a, i mean what's the what's it used for to relax oh sure i'm, I'm sure <laughs> and so that was a disney uh we went down to panama city for a vacation in PCB. the middle of spring break oh God. so there's kids and trucks <laughs> everywhere i'm like what's going on like i'm young we went to chicago when i was older for a vacation which was fun but we stayed like an hour and a half we stayed all the way out by the airport so we had to take the train back and forth an hour and a half each way. And we got lost in downtown Chicago, like at night night. And we're walking around like there are people going to club, waiting in lines to get in these clubs and stuff. I'm like, where are we right now? We walked around two hours and had to take the tram back at like midnight all the way back out to the airport because they wanted just a cheaper hotel. Jeez. So everything was done. Like if we had fun, like, you know, we were down in Atlanta when they had the Olympics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But we went to like a Cuba uh venezuela baseball game we didn't go to the usa game we oh, went to like a 20 dollar ticket game right we my, couldn't get any food there because yeah. it cost too much and my cousins are buying like 10 dollar hot dogs one one time my parents <laughs> just funny uh one, the most mad now that like i've ever made my parents is they had this huge trip planned for my sister and i like massive trip yeah like we were gonna go all over like to every beach it was it was the dream vacation for everybody mm -hmm. right um and they asked us, they were like, we we're like, well, no, we want to take friends. We want to take friends. We want to take friends. And they're like, we can't take friends on this vacation. Right. Like, that's a lot of money. And they're like, well, here's what we'll do. So we never did that. We never took friends. So this is what they did. They, they were like, okay, well, we can go on this extravagant vacation and swim with the dolphins <laughs> and all this stuff. Or we can go to Great Wolf Lodge and you can each bring a friend. <laughs> <laughs> And my sister Wolf. and I were like, oh, Great Wolf Lodge, Great Wolf Lodge. And my parents were pissed that they gave us the option. A, a parenting move that they should have done is, uh, no, no, we're not doing it. My that. kid's never going to have an option. It's, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, I don't like it, but okay, you can stay home and yeah. we'll go on vacation. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you don't have a right to choose. <laughs> like, but, but, but my ideal vacation You don't now, have a right to choose. For our honeymoon, we stayed at an all-inclusive resort. Yeah. We woke up, went down free breakfast went to the beach there was already a cabana set up and we nice. just sat there and read and drank and drank would go up get a quesadilla come back sit by the pool yeah go to the restaurant at the at the for dinner at the place and then sit out and it was just yeah. where you do nothing we left the resort in florida one time and we were like we probably shouldn't have done that <laughs> It's so funny, but like a, a vacation where you do nothing like that Bora Bora vacation would be ideal if it wasn't for a flight because all you have to do is just sit there and it's do an nothing. experience. Well, it's also $10,000. No, $10,000 uh, where you go with like a friend, like a couple, another couple and split it or you get your own for five grand. But that's almost that's almost all your flights included. All, that's not terrible. all meals. And, no, it's not for that's five really to seven nights, wherever you wherever you decide to choose. That's You're on the ocean with your own little mini pool. They can go dip down into like the ocean wherever you want. Bro. You could maybe find, you could be an Instagram. You, you could, could be find one of Instagram Kardashian's chicks. diamond yeah. ring. Oh really? Yeah. Do you not remember that episode? I don't watch Kardashian. Well, I, I guess a, Kim Kardashian dropped the diamond ring. I don't even want to, I don't even want to waste people's time and with that. She dropped, she dropped a diamond ring in the ocean and Courtney goes, there's people dying, Kim. It's a pretty viral moment. I, it's iconic I, in American history. I refuse to watch that show. Yeah, the well, dumbing of the American mind. Oh, 
You know a book I need to read, you should read? Coddling of the American Mind. Is that a real book? Yeah. It basically talks about how everyone's pussified and it's always someone else's fault oh. for their misfortune. I don't want to. I'm not going to. We'll talk about off air something that I saw that just say pissed. It. No. Just say it. No. Why? Just say it. You always say this stuff. I, I know. Go bring it back up. So okay. It, ready? One, two, three. Either way, we'll talk about that on separate. It's still not a big deal, but Ben will talk about it. Um, but it definitely... Coddling the American mind. It just talks about how we're all wussified. We are. Basically. And to a point we are, but no one's independent and thinks it's always someone else's fault and someone else needs to do it for them. Well, yeah. But we get blamed and it's like, wait, you, you raised us. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't say the phrase, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Because now it's like, we talk derogatory and racist. Have, or something. Have I ever told you about, <laughs> like, uh, I know plenty of successful people who'd say that of all different yeah. races and colors. Like one of my friends, him and his girlfriend at the time got knocked up with twins when he was down in South Carolina, right? Young knocked a girl up. You're not married to what's the chance of them being successful. She's now like a nurse practitioner making a hundred K he's making over a hundred K and he's, she's white. He's black. So it's like, and they were down South. Yeah. Like what's the chance of that working out? Working out pretty good. Working out pretty good for yeah. them. Yeah. Because they just didn't sit there and be like, man, we're never going to make it. We had a kid young. We, we, you know. Yeah, they could have said that. Yeah. We but didn't. We talk about, uh, for when we coach, we talk about, you know, they used to be the helicopter parents where the helicopter, mm-hmm. they were just kind of always there. Now we call them lawnmower parents because they mow down any obstacle that comes in front <laughs> of their kid. It's so like any time their kid could come up with something, it's like, oh, we'll get rid of that. And it's like, no, your kid needs to scrape it. Like your kid yeah. needs to break his arm. Your kid needs to get his knees scraped. You need, he get, needs to figure out how to get over things. On get their punched own. in the face and like learn to fight. I mean, like I hate to say that, but like I, I would say True. that my parents, we had everything we could have wanted. It's called coddling. Yeah. That's what it's talking about. I, I've told him, I said like I had a great childhood but I had everything I ever wanted. It's like, I probably could have used a good punch in the face or, or no, or no, <laughs> I know would have worked as well. <laughs> I want this No, Like I'm on this rampage of not letting my kid eat ice anymore. Uh, my wife's aunt, <laughs> what my wife's aunt gave him ice. And now he is like Helen Keller, like reaching his hand in ice. Like what was that movie? Was it Helen Keller? Where it's like, she would just go around and eat off people's plates and stuff. I don't know that movie. Ah, oh, crap. I think it's about Helen Keller when she's young. Anyways, um, so now every time someone gets a drink, he's like ice. He would give it to her dog, Faye, to break it up, to chew on it, and then he'd go pick it up and eat it. And Luke I'm like, gave the ice to your dog to break it up so he could chew it, which is pretty smart. It is smart. It's smart because he's kid. like, oh, Faye can break it, and then it falls on the ground. Then I'll eat it after her. I'm like, what is going on? The immune system on your kid is going to be through the roof. Yeah, right. like he's not going to have. A I'm all about my kid. <laughs> that that wasn't what I was worried, annoyed about. But every time you have a drink, he'd start sticking his hand in there, grab the ice, ice, ice. I'm like, I'm like. We're closing this door off real fucking quick. I was like, no more ice. And now catch Amy. Everyone was like, what'd you give him ice for it? I was like, it's not. I'm like, I'm tired of him going to people's drinks and sticking his hands in it. That's yeah. ridiculous. He doesn't need ice. I was yeah. like, he doesn't need to chew ice. He's How, a, he's almost two now. He's going on two. When's he's his for, second dude, birthday? He's smart. October 13th. And then when is uh, Amy's due? September 23rd. Oh, wow. She'll be early. That's like the dream, like oh, one year on. Perfectly. Perfectly not, timed. That's what we want. We want the one year. To yeah, but here's raise. the thing. You're not really one. Because she got pregnant like 
Well, it's two so, years. It's a two-year separation. She got pregnant in January. So it's like we don't have much time. But if you think about it, there's a nine-month incubation period. So the next one, we're taking more time off. But you are going to take more time off? Yeah. I like the two-year age gap. The two-year age gap's nice. But for like Amy, she's pregnant for nine months. So she had like three months to take a breather yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Because she, she long, was, I guess that, that makes sense because she's months, feeding and it, it a lot feeding, of it falls onto a, her. It's a lot. Yeah. So it's like, take a little break. Let's enjoy yeah. whatever time. Because now it's hard. Once you have two kids, like who many, wants a babysitter? Who's going for? One. As many as the good Lord wants. Yeah. 10 plus, baby. That's a ridiculous number. <laughs> I told Taylor, she said, we were talking about it. I said, the I just need a farm so I have a reason to keep having kids every three yeah. to five years. The Kennedys had nine. That's what I think we should go for. I mean, I have seven uncles. Oh, my, my dad was raised on a farm, though. Yeah. You want to talk about slave labor? Look at all the old school farmers where they had 10, 12 kids because one free labor, hardcore like Catholics, you know? Yeah. No, and then no also you're on the farm. You're like, well, they can help milk the cows. Jeez. But anyways, uh, Show leverage. More, I mean, that's a about. lesson in leverage that right is leverage. there. I'm looking at free labor. My seven, Not necessarily for you pay the house and feed them, but they work whenever they want. They can't take you to the... Well, nowadays, kids can call the cops and get arrested, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids call the cops on their own parents. It's ridiculous. Is that a thing? Yes. You ever heard that? No. Yeah. Kids were... For a couple... Now, it's probably like one out of a million, but you know, a kid called and said their parents were being abusive to them. Were they? No. Oh, okay. probably I was not. Say, if a parent's being abusive, yeah, What's abusive? call the cops. Nowadays, uh, spanking your kids abusive. Well, maybe a maybe a nowadays hard, other closed, parents are like closed, you don't give them what they want. Closed fist is abusive. <laughs> well, yeah, no one closed fists <laughs> anybody, hey, bro. I used to get well, beat so with. We can drive a hard line there. My butt fist. used to get beat with like two by fours, the little sticks you used to win at the carnivals. Cause me and my brother always get fights with them. Jeez. Like you name it, pal. Now we 100% deserved every minute yeah, of yeah. it. Every minute of it. We're terrorizers. We're horrible kids. Yeah. So, and look at how you turned out just a little bit of mental scarring. Just, <laughs> there's a reason why I like to try to make everyone laugh no matter what. I, I told Angela, I was like, I have the worst thing going for me. I have like a comedian's personality. Like I like to be funny no matter how inappropriate it is yes. inside a workplace. <laughs> Oh. So it's like if I if I was a comedian, my favorite, no one thing. would care. They're like, oh, he's just trying to be funny. It's not offensive, but it's like if you're not a comedian and you try to be funny about offensive stuff or like oh. racial things or just cultural things, yeah, everyone looks at you like weird. Like, oh, that you shouldn't my, say that. My favorite thing is when Trent gets gets a crowd going, and he's like, oh, I got him hooked. Yeah, I'm just gonna go one step further. I just keep pushing. <laughs> just it. keeps pushing. It. I should have been a comedian, man. I love push. It. I was like, who cares? It's a joke. I'm. Not, I don't yeah. mean anything I say. I'm, nothing that I say is serious. All That's right. my wife. You, you've nothing got, serious. I'll tell you the funniest comedian skit is Andrew Schultz. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> yeah, his YouTube stuff. Have you seen his? Have you seen his? Uh, his Epstein Island joke. I haven't. It's it's vulgar and it came out real soon after. I love but it. But it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire I like life. watching it, his YouTube stuff because it's like he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't. What politics. There's no politics involved. But you know that going but to a show. so funny. You know that going to a yeah. show and if you have a problem with it, tough. But he, I mean, he comes out and firing, firing <laughs> gay, straight, black, white. He's like, I'm going to make fun of you. Everybody. Everybody. He looked at, and it's all crowd work, which I think is so impressive. Yeah. Like he's a very, he's a very intelligent person. If you listen to like yeah. some of his, I listen like, to every time he talks. Yeah, if you, podcast, like some of good. his, some of his skits are like, 
he'll just call people out in the crowd and like ask where they're from. And then he starts reciting facts about countries that I've just never heard of. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you're not from so-and-so because that's, oh, we, you love your so-and-so out there. It's like, what? Are, have you traveled <laughs> to every country? He's well diverse. He's very, yeah. But that has nothing to do with selling real estate. So It has nothing to do with anything. Nothing I think we talked about yeah. hardly has anything to do with quick, anything Here's today. a quick PSA for appraisers, and I think maybe we finish on this. Oh, yeah. If the water's turned off on a house and you go out there, you have to use the restroom. And you have to use the restroom. Don't pee in the sink. And if you do pee in the sink, clean up your pubes. Clean up your clean up your pee. That's not professional. Nope. That is not professional. So context, Ben had an appraiser, the house had water and, turned off and, and an appraiser went there, yeah. peed in the sink and left a pube on and the, the And the dilemma I'm at right now is how do I tell a grown adult Hey, don't be in the sink. This is why I say people are gross. <laughs> people are gross. How do I tell somebody that? Don't you wait. Me. You wait till appraisal comes in. Yep. That's and it. then you reach out to me, like send them the picture, be like, "Hey, I would advise you not to do this next time, and maybe pee outside or find a fence." Yeah. And if it comes in short, send them the pictures. Hey, I I hate to say this, we are going to counter the appraisal, but I if also, you don't give us our price, I'll let everyone know. I you also pee have pee. to send this in to your boss if we don't get the price. Yeah. Yeah, blackmail. That works well for people with licenses. Just a quick uh, heads up. I'm not going to do that. So if you're listening to me from any type of government governing body, I promise I am not going to blackmail this appraisal. He's crossing his fingers. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, If you have any feedback, any questions you want to go over, let us know. Real Pursuits podcast on Instagram and or Real Pursuit on Instagram. Real pursuit podcast at gmail dang i mustered that one up uh ben what was that book again finish by john akoff finish in coddling the american mind